Michael Boyles, strengthcoach.com presents the Strength Coach Podcast, brought to you by Perform Better, the experts in functional training and rehabilitation, performbetter.com. All right, hey everybody, welcome to another special episode of the Strength Coach Podcast. I'm here with Vince Gabriel, founder of Gabriel Fitness Performance and the Fitness Business University. He helps gym owners get more clients, make more money, and have more freedom. He's not only helping his clients, he's helping all of my listeners who've been doing these special episodes for a couple months now. Don't forget, he's also the author of eight fitness business-related books, including The Ultimate Guide to Marketing Your Gym. He does the Kiss Marketing Business Secrets for Gym Owners here on the podcast. But again, this is another special episode where we're just going to really condense a lot of the stuff that Vince is doing so many different things that uh, we decided to kind of make this, uh, do this once a month right now just to kind of get all these different nuggets and give him a little bit more time to give you guys some opportunity to learn from Vince. So Vince, thanks for doing this. My pleasure, Ant. I have a lot of fun with you as always and uh, looking forward to it, seeing you um, follow me at Perform Better. Well, it's kind of, I, I really feel like it's really not a, I think, I think like it's kind of like you're warming up the crowd for me. And then, no, um, no, like, you, you're following me. You're it's kind of like the headliner. I'm, I'm like right before the social, I'm kind of like the keynote speaker pretty much at, at that event. <laughs> so, um, well, the best was when I, when I, when I stole the microphone from, from Aaron and I did your intro. <laughs> That was that was amazing. That was amazing, and I, I kind of thought of that this year. I need to do your intro, and I was like, but I don't know if I can top that one. That was pretty good. Um, speaking of live events, so we, you and I will be doing Chicago Perform Better in July. It's going to be awesome on Friday too. That's another thing. It's like that's you know you know you're yeah. huge Well, you know you're huge when you get a Friday slot. Um, <laughs> um, anyway, um, no more Sundays. No more Sundays, bro. Yeah, baby. And then um, you know, speaking of live too, I was obviously following you on social. My buddy TJ and you know my buddies, a couple of other buddies uh, are part of your your mentorship group. Your master and they went to your mastermind. So you're doing your live events again, and there seems to be so much great stuff that comes out of there. Let's let's talk about that today, and uh, about what you're doing. I mean, first of all, got to be great to be doing the live uh, events with your people. Yes, no, it was amazing. We we met um, we we meet three times a year in uh, March, July, and November, and so we had our March meeting and. It was, I, I tried to theme each one out. So each, each mastermind that we do has a theme. And this uh, March mastermind theme was something called authority muscle building. And authority muscle building was obviously it's a play on gym owners and building muscle and stuff like that. But when I started to think about some of the gyms that I'm working with um, that are having the most success, they're the ones that are the most known in their community, right? I mean, and take, for example, Mike Boyle, right? There's no one that has more authority in the Boston area on strength and conditioning than Mike Boyle. And, and I know that Boyle doesn't even do a ton of marketing 
his name is just a monster. And if you start to do strategic things, and not now for Mike, that didn't happen obviously by accident. There was things that he did to create that, right? And so the premise of the weekend and the theme of the weekend was how can us as local gym owners do strategic things to build our level of authority in our community? And the real purpose of the whole meeting um, and, and you mentioned TJ Lopez, who actually I asked to speak at the mastermind and he did a, he did a phenomenal job. Um, but the real premise was how do we make the gyms in the mastermind the most, um, known place in the area and the most authoritative and the most famous and the most strategic um, people in the area of their community so that if someone wants to go to a grocery store and just randomly stop someone in the grocery store, you know, that maybe, you know, had workout clothes on or something like that. say, who's the best gym in the area? Who's the most knowledgeable trainers in the area um, that their name would come up. So that was really what it was about. And there's a lot of things that, we talked about, but it was the, the full premise was this authority be, becoming this authority figure. Now there's some things in hurdles that people got to get over and get through to be able to get there. Um, a, a lot of them rests in their own mind. So we can't talk about being an authority without having the right mindset. So I opened the meeting with some mindset. And you and I talked right before we started recording about um, a concept called the gap in the game. And that was what I opened the mastermind with. And, and basically what I'm going to do is start with the opening story that I gave to your listeners to make this a point. So, um, and you, you know that I played college football, I played at Temple University. Of course. And I, I was, I was, a I was a washed up, terrible you know, offensive lineman, you know, from 98 to 01, um, you, know, in, you know, a glimpse of 2000, I said, I think I may be able to make the NFL. And then a day later, I realized that that was a terrible thought. And in 2001, in my last season, I broke my leg and I was, I was 300 pounds when I played. So I was an offensive guard and center at the time. And I, I, I broke my leg and I just had this uh, complete, uh, starch taken out of me uh, about playing football and I was 300 pounds and I was uncomfortable and that was my start in my journey to lose weight and so I decided to move to San Diego and I basically was like all right I'm moving to San Diego I can't be you know a fat dude sitting on the beach of San Diego I was still 24 years old right so I did everything I could to lose weight. And this is kind of what got me going in the fitness industry. So I'm working on all these things and I'm reading all these magazines and I started to, you know, have this ideal in my head of what I wanted to look like. And I was doing a lot of reading of magazines at the time and, you know, men's health and, you know, what does the guys look like on the cover? They're shredded. And I started to create this ideal 
in my head of what I wanted to look like on the beach. I remember this is, I'm 24, so I'm a you know, dumb idiot at the time. And I started to create this, this image in my head of this perfect physique. Now I went from um, being this fat offensive lineman to going to having this idea of this perfect physique. And I worked hard and I, and I actually went from 300 pounds in, um, in eight months, I lost, um, I think 80 pounds. I got from to 215 wow. in like eight, but so by the time, by the time I went to San Diego, uh, I rolled up to Pacific beach, 215 pounds. Now, when I was like two, two 300, they, that's how people knew me. Right. And when I was walking around temple, the last few days of campus, when I was 220, 215, people were like, dude, they couldn't they walk. My teammates would walk right by me. They didn't even recognize who I was. And here's the deal. I, I got to 215 and I started to like do weird things like oil up my body and take pictures of myself flexing. And, you know, I never really got to the point where I was happy with how I looked. And I was kind of like, yeah, but I still got stretch marks from being fat. And, you know, I, I, I feel like I lost maybe too much muscle and I don't see any abs at all. I never saw abs. I've never seen abs to this day. You know, I don't know if it's a flaw in my programming or what, but they just never said, but, but here I am unhappy with how I look. And the reality was this concept of the gap in the game talks about when you're in the gap, you measure yourself against this ideal or you measure yourself against this comparison of someone else. And when you measure yourself against this ideal or this comparison of this other perfect thing, then you're always probably going to be unhappy because that may not be possible, right? It's probably impossible for me and my body to look like one of these guys on my phone. Not, not saying it, I can't look better, but the reality was when you're in the gap, you're measuring yourself against this ideal that doesn't exist, and that leads to being unhappy. And the concept of the game is when you measure yourself against yourself. And that leads to happiness, confidence, and success. So if I was measuring myself against myself, I would look at a 215-pound person that was fit, that was in shape, that was healthy, that was, you know, wasn't as strong as I was, but right? And I went from... 300 pounds to 215. So, so I've got to measure backwards. And I look back from 215 back to 300. How could I not be happy with that? How could I not be happy with the progress I made, with the health that I was? Um, it, it, it's just, it, it's, a, it, it's a recipe for being unhappy. And I think that as business owners, we also do that. We look and we make progress and we grow our businesses. And what do we actually do? We get to a certain point and then we say, we want more. And in the book, they talk about the horizon and they say, you know, no one ever actually gets to the horizon. The horizon is used as this ideal to, to kind of be like a North star, but you never actually step on foot on the horizon. So if you, if you don't set measurable goals, right. And you don't have specific things that are actually achievable, then you'll keep chasing this thing that doesn't exist. And I think a lot of gym owners do that with their businesses. They get to a certain point and they now say, all right, I'm here. And now I'm, look, I'm looking around and I'm comparing myself 
to this business and comparing myself to that business. I'm comparing myself to, you know, a, 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 a perfect business that I've heard of, you know, the Mike Boyle's business, right? And they're, they're constantly going to be unhappy with their, with their results because they're comparing themselves against this ideal versus looking at where they are now and looking backwards and say, look yeah. how far that I've come. So yeah. that, that's what I opened with is, is, and I know you've, you've read the book and this is not my concept. Obviously, you know, we both know that this is a book written by, um, Dan, Dan Sullivan and, and Ben Hardy, and they did a phenomenal job of this concept, but it's like, man, this is something I'm teaching my kids now. Like this is like game changing, earth shattering mindset stuff. Really um, is. And, and it's like, so I, I presented this at the meeting. And, you know, one of the concepts that I talked about, and they, they mentioned this in the book, was you can't be in the gap um, and the gain at the same time, right? You're either in the gap or you're in the gain, right? You're either measuring yourself against an ideal, which is in the gap, or you're measuring yourself against yourself and measuring backwards, which is, which is the gain. And the reality of all this is, it's very, very, very challenging. It's very, very challenging when you live life in the gap. And it's very, very rewarding when you live life in the game. So, I mean, one of the things that I, I passed out at the meeting was a, hey, Ant, have you ever been to one of those Brazilian barbecue places? Uh, no, believe it or not, no. So, okay, so you got, first of all, you got to go. Maybe we'll go you know, one night in Chicago, we'll look, when we go to, there's definitely one in Chicago. So maybe we'll go in Chicago. Right. And so the Brazilian barbecue places, what it is, is they, they walk around with these skewers of meat. Right. And they, you know, they got flamingon and ham and turkey and they got every kind of meat you can think of. Right. On the skewers. And they give you this, when you sit at the table, they give you this card and the card on one side is green. And when you put the green side down, an avalanche of people start coming to your table and cutting meat on your plate. When you turn it over, the side is red. That means they ignore you. They will not come to your table at all. It means you're stop. I don't want any more meat. Right. And so I, I, I kind of thought of that concept and it's kind of like in the gap of the game where you're either thinking in the gap or you're thinking in the game. And really all it takes is flipping the card, right? Because there's times where we're going to think in the game. And that's the one thing that people got to understand is you're never going to be in the game all the time. You're going to be in the gap. Even if you understand this, even if you know this, you're going to be in the gap. The key is how quickly you can switch to the game. And so I passed out these coasters. One side said gap, one side said green, one side was green, one side was red. And that was a reminder for them when they're sitting at their desk and they're measuring themselves and unhappy with their success that they're probably in the gap. And all they need to do to get to the game is flip the switch. Funny. Shift. It's just, and, and that's all it is, is really like building this, what I call a thermostat. What? This, this game thermostat. It's ironic because you're at a mastermind, right? And you're teaching this concept, but that's one of the places that you can really end up in the gap if you're not careful because for example if i'm there at the mastermind and tj lopez goes up and speaks 
And I think, wait, I started this mastermind. TJ was here with me. And now look at TJ. He's doing so great. And Michael, I first learned this concept from Michael Hyatt about four or five years ago when I was in his group. And Dan Sullivan was actually his coach as well. And that's where he got it from, yeah. obviously. And so just Michael would always say, like, look, if you have a game, uh, you know, if you have a goal of losing 10 pounds, for example, and you lose eight, what do you focus on? Oh, man, I didn't lose that two pounds. That's being in the gap thinking. And so when you start to think like, well, look at TJ, he's up there speaking. Wow, wow, wow. Look at me. I didn't reach, you know, this. But meanwhile, I've increased my profits 25% or whatever it may be. And um, I got systems, I'm working less, but I'm looking at TJ up there speaking. So here you are at a mastermind where everyone is so susceptible to uh, ending up in the gap. And that's one of the reasons why I did it. And actually this is gonna lead me into um, one of the things that you know I'll, I'll, I'm gonna talk about, but I did a, so right after I did the gap in the game presentation, I did uh, a presentation called Seven Habits of Confident Power and Successful Gym Owners. And it, it's more of the, the thinking process around this authority muscle building that I talked about, right? What are, what, are, what are the ways that we need to think to be able to have the confidence to become an authority in your community and in your area, right? And so what I'm going to do today, if that's cool, um, is just go over a couple of the ones I went over. Is that good? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, cool. So I went over these seven habits, and 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 I've taught this before at Mastermind, and this is like it, it's finally. It, it, sometimes I like hesitate to teach things twice, right? Um, and I was a little hesitant to teach this one again, but I I couldn't believe how much it it, it hit them the second time. And the concept is called immunity to criticism. And if you think about what people don't do, right, and why they don't do it, a big reason of why people don't do things like put themselves out there to become an authority is they're afraid what other people think of them. And so that was one of the biggest concepts that I taught was immunity to criticism. And here's the thing. Boyle is like, I mean, I mean, I, and, and I've talked about this with Mike before. And I actually, when Mike, when Mike spoke about mastermind, I asked him about this and he said, I'm not as immune to criticism as you might think. He's like, I care. But from the outside, when I look at Mike, I look at someone that's bulletproof. Like he did not care, you know, what anyone thinks. So I was like, I gotta be more of a coach. But um, this is a line from a quote that I learned from my therapist. Um, what other people think of you is none of your business. And if you go through your business life, you know, wondering and tiptoeing around, not wanting to upset anybody, um, it, it's going to be a long, long, hard road. And, and one of the examples I gave was a guy named Kyle Newell, who's been a coaching client of mine for, for almost over a decade now. I think he started with me in 2012. And Kyle was one of the gym owners. Obviously, there was that, you know, loudmouth guy down in South Jersey. Right. But Kyle went quietly went on Fox News and, you know, during the pandemic and said, um, I'm opening my gym um, because I, I believe in, you know, my, my my freedom. And and this is what I'm going to do. This is what 
I've been called to do. And and he did it in a really respectful way. And they paid attention to Kyle because of the way he did it. And actually they credited Kyle for getting gyms to open, um, um, for o- open outside. So right after they talked to Kyle, you know, they, they, they brought Kyle into these big meetings with all these really important people and they respected what he did. Um, and, and, and the result of that was they told him that they're going to open up outdoors because of his effort and the way he did it. And, um, you can't make a decision like that. And I'm not saying that everyone should have done that. I mean, I didn't, I certainly have the courage to do something like that. Um, but, but Kyle went and it's like, man, you can't care if you're going to go on Fox news and do something essentially illegal. Um, and you know, your, your clients are like, you know, probably half his clients are like, what the hell is this guy doing? The other half are loving him. Um, you can't make decisions like that and become known in your community, in your area. Um, without having immunity, you know, to, to criticism. And so I think a lot of the things we struggle with can be rooted back to fear of what others might think of us. You know, think about this. Why do not, why do people not send too many emails, right? Why do people say, oh, I, I don't want to bother. I, you know, I, I don't want to send three emails a day, three emails a week, right? If I send three emails a week, then people will, will unsubscribe and all well, you know, that that's really, you know, rooted back to fear of what others think. Why, you know, won't you speak in public? Right? Why do people, why are people afraid to speak in public? You know, people are afraid to speak in public because at the end of the day, they're concerned about the criticism that they'll get. Why do people um, not fire uh, team members? Because they're afraid of the conflict. Why do people not step into uncertainty and open up the second location. You know, why are people afraid to be honest? A lot of this can be rooted back to uh, immunity to criticism. Um, and I'm not saying you don't listen. Like, so I had a mastermind member, you know, say something that she had a, she had a, uh, a gripe about something. And she said, she started the email with, Hey, I know you're immune to criticism, but I just want to bring this to your attention. And I was like, Oh, hold on, hold on. Um, just because I'm immune to criticism doesn't mean that I don't listen. It just means I just don't get thrown aback and I don't, I, I don't allow it to stop me from moving forward, right? And so there's a difference there. I'm not saying that you don't listen to things and you don't you know, take into account, especially account that, that things your clients say um, about your business. So that was, that was the first um, habit. It's like if we're going to be this authority in our area, um, you've you, you got to be able to be um, somewhat immune to criticism. So that was number one. Uh, the, the second one, and remember, we're, we're, we're talking about habits of highly successful, confident people um, and gym owners. In, in it. So the, the one thing that I see that uh, separates the, the, the goods from the greats is, is, is the greats are, are, are massive action takers. They just go get it done. And there's a great book called, no one knows about this book, but everyone should read it. And it's called The Ultimate Success Secret by Dan Kennedy. And it's a pamphlet size book, and it's probably like 50 pages long, right? And the book is, is, is all about one thing. And basically, he boiled down to there's one success habit that trumps all the rest. Right. And that is your ability to act. Because if you think about it, even great thinkers, even people that come up with great ideas and they think of good ideas, 
if they don't act on those ideas, they don't get done. And they just, how many great ideas have stayed in people's minds? And I look at that and I talk about that at the mastermind. I was like, the people that are most successful in my mastermind are the ones that take the things that they learn and they go and they do it. The people that are the least successful are the ones that learn and they get excited about the learning and they get all fired up and then all of a sudden they get paralysis by analysis and they don't do it. And I think that um, that is, I have a guy that works for me named Tom Leonardis that he is the best action taker I've ever seen. Like he is, he's a GM at Gabriel Fitness and like he does things so fast. It's like, I, I've never seen anything like it. And our business has become much more successful because he's at the helm. And so, you know, what are the couple of things that, that people can do? Well, one of the things that you need to do to be a better action taker is you need to know um, what is most important, right? You need to know what is most important, what you should be taking action on. Jocko Willink has a, um, has, a, has a term called prioritize and execute. So great action takers will learn things, they'll read things, and they'll be like, all right, which one am I going to do? And they'll be like, all right, prioritize that one. And they realize that that one thing is more important than all the others, and they go and they do that one thing. Versus kind of looking and saying, oh, I have all these different options, all these different choices. No, prioritize what's most important and go do it. And, and um, you know, we just hired a new operations manager um, with Fitness Business University, right? And we, we got done with our meeting and she uh, has a bunch of really important things to do. And, you know, our North Star in, in mastermind this year, we set, we set measurable goals, just like we teach our clients to do, but we set measurable goals for how many clients we want in mastermind. And I, and, and I, you know, talk about the staff, I talk about the vision. I said, this is what our goal is. This is what we're moving towards. And, um, there was a bunch of things that we said to do in the meeting that have related to getting new mastermind members. And she said to me, she was like, Hey, um, tomorrow, um, we're going to organize the, the file cabinet and make sure the books are organized. And um, I said, no, you're not. I said, because we're organizing that file cabinet and, and putting the books in the right place is not going to bring in a new mastermind member. And that was like a big, like she looked, looked at me and she was like, oh, yeah. Okay, got it. Yeah, you're right. And um, I think that a lot of times, uh, one of the reasons why people don't take action is they don't know how to prioritize. They don't know how to decide what's most important. Um, there's, a, there's a term uh, called often wrong, never in doubt. And it's a term from Donnie Deutsch, who's, a, who's an advertising uh, mogul, but often wrong, never in doubt. Sometimes you have to just do things without having anything planned, without knowing if this is going to be a great idea or not. So I'll give you an example. I recently taught a copywriting seminar. And, you know, I've written thousands and thousands and thousands of emails. I've written actually now nine books. And I wrote a, I wrote a book in the last few days. And, um, I, I, I scheduled this coffee seminar without having anything planned. I didn't have any outline of it. I just basically said, hey, I'm doing this coffee seminar. Who's interested? And I had 10 people right away say I'm interested. And they're like, oh, shoot. It looks like I'm doing a coffee seminar. And then I had to have 
the wherewithal to plan it and to do it. And I think sometimes, like I have, I have, I've had this, these ideas. And I'm like, yeah, I should do a copywriting seminar. Let me sit down and let me plan it out. Let me make sure everything's great. And let me make sure that I got the right resources. And let me make sure I, I, I can research, you know, um, different other people that have done copywriting seminars. And I was just like, no, I'm not doing that. I'm just going to go say I'm doing it and I'm going to get 10 people and then I'm going to figure out how to do it after that. And I think sometimes we need a little bit more of that and we need a little bit more action and, and a little less planning. And I'm not saying planning isn't important. I think planning is very, very important. But I will say that taking action is, is a very, very important um, part of this game. Um, the next one I went over was uh, masters of their time, successful gym owners are masters of their time. And I think there's a, there's a quote, it's like, show me where you spend your most time, I'll show you what's um, most important to you. I don't think people understand how important their time is. Um, it's the most valuable asset that you own. And the successful people I know have a disdain for wasting time. And they actually just look at the, the wasted hour and they just have disdain towards that wasted hour. And uh, a, a thing that I taught uh, to, as a mastermind was this thing called Parkinson's Law. Have you heard of Parkinson's Law, Ant? Actually, yeah. We just talked about it with Jenny Rerick on uh, the last episode. So tell everybody it, about it. it. So it, it, is, it is a complete game changer for, for productivity. And Parkinson's Law says it's work expands to fill the time available for its completions. Work expands to fill the time available for its completion. So think about it. If you give yourself all day to do something, you're going to take all day to do it versus that thing probably could get done in two hours. And we have this concept at Mastermind that we, that we teach called 3333. And it has completely changed the game of our productivity. And what we do is we say all project work, obviously, you know, training sessions is outside of that, but any project work, anything you do for marketing, anything you do for sales, anything you do that's like you're sitting down and working on a project should be done in blocks of time. And we use 3333. You don't have to use that. You can use 50 minutes. You can use an hour. You can use 45 minutes. It doesn't really matter. But we use 33 minutes and 33 seconds. And we say when we're working on something, we are going to intensely, okay, we are going to intensely work on one thing and one thing alone for this time period until that timer goes off. And we're not going to check our phone and we're not going to check our email and we're not going to do anything else except work on that project. I promise, promise you that your listeners, if they start doing that, it will completely change the game for their productivity. Completely change the game. But all they really need to do is sit down, decide what's most important, set a timer for 33 minutes and 33 seconds, work on that thing and that thing only, and magic will happen. It is, it, it, it is incredible. But successful people are, are, are masters uh, of their time. And one of the things that um, what people really um, need to do is maybe they need to audit it, right? Maybe they need to audit where they're spending their time. I brought on um, a new marketing person recently. And I got a little scared in the beginning because he kept coming up to me and was like, oh, I got this idea. I got that idea. I got this idea. I got this. Idea. I was like, this guy ain't anything done. 
I was like, I got to figure out what he's actually doing all day and make sure I'm not, you know, I'm going to get back my investment here. And so I had him write down everything he did um, for on the 30 minutes. This probably, I'm sure you did something like this with Michael Hyatt because he's big into this type of stuff. Um, but basically, like every hour he was working you know, on the half hour, he told me exactly what he does. And we linked it back to, you know, is this thing that you did going to help us get the result we want? And in marketing, the result we want is leads generated. And so we found out he was doing a lot of busy work and a lot of planning, and a lot of things and not getting a lot of stuff out. And basically, I was like, push the publish button. I was basically send the email, publish the post, send the letter write the ad. This, these are all things that are going to get stuff done versus you spending all, all of your time. So I started to do like a really big audit of uh, the things that, 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 that he was doing. So that's the third one is really taking a look at how you're spending your time and making sure that you're not wasting it and you're spending your time on the most important things. Um, and here was the last one. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no, I was going to say, just, just to go, to stay on that for a second, I think, you know, you said about Michael Hyatt, you know, after reading Deep Work, and uh, he talked yeah, about blocking time sure. out. Uh, I love what you, I love his 3333 idea, because Deep Work, he talked about that. He's like, I forget what, how, what the time was, but he just said, maybe it was an hour. He said, just, yeah, put the phone away, whatever, but just act like it's, so urgent to get it done that your life depends on it in that hour you only have this hour to do it act like oh my god i have to get this done an hour the the, the deadline's in an hour and uh, when you do try it it really does work because you just start working and you get going and you build on the momentum and uh and you 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 get so much more done i love that i love the three three because you could it's something that you can remember in your head as well yeah we actually had it on the back of our shirts we got oh, three, nice. three, three, three on the back of the shirt. So, yeah. So like a, uh, it was like a, it's like a, you know, like your cell phone, it's like that circle around it, but it, it, was, it was a timer. Um, and, and the other thing I want to say is that, as you mentioned, deep work. Um, so I wrote the ultimate guide to marketing your gym. That's the book that I have out there the most. Um, but I wrote that book in a church youth group office. And when I was writing the book, I was like, I need to dedicate three hours a day to writing. And I went into the, uh, the, the church and I said, do you have any space where I can just have quiet space where there's nothing going on? And I'm like, yeah, we got this. they gave me a key. And I literally wrote the book in a couple of weeks because I had complete focus of time, uh, meaning I knew that's the only thing I was doing, but also the environment was right meaning I didn't have any distractions. There wasn't anything going on. They didn't have people bothering me. I mean, for me to write a book at my gym is like, is not possible. So that was, um, that was a really big one, um, was environment that you mentioned. Um, yeah. Where you do stuff. The, you know, it's funny. Uh, okay. I, I, swear, I saw um, Michael Gerber speak one time, Michael Gerber who wrote the E-Myth. Yeah. And one of the biggest takeaways for me, he said, the best thing that you can do for your business is to get an office about six blocks away. Basically, exactly what you did. You went out of your office because you can't get anything done. You can't work on your business uh, if you're uh, always working in your business. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And again, as gym owners grow, you know, 
they're going to have to do more of that stuff, right? Uh, in the beginning, you, you don't leave. In the beginning, you're doing every session, you're doing everything, so you're there all the time. But, you know, my goal for, for gym owners is that they don't have to be there all the time, is that they are working on their business, as you mentioned. And, you know, part of that is going to be, you know, the, the environment you put yourself in. Um, I'm hesitant to do this last one, but I will. Um, and because sometimes it can throw people off track. So um, in Mastermind, um, we have the SPF Mastermind, but then we have a, a, a thing called the CEO Mastermind. And in that group, uh, we're actually going to Montana uh, to do our Mastermind in a couple weeks. Um, but in that group, there's nine guys in the group, and it, it's, it's high-level business conversation. We're talking financials. We're looking at financial statements. It's, these are all guys open up second locations and things like that. These guys are all making good money, and um, I believe six out of the nine own uh, Airbnb real estate, yeah. um, and they're taking their money from their gyms. And they're investing in real estate and they're investing in other things and they're making their money work for them. And this was the other thing is like, you know, a habit of someone that's going to be an authority. Um, how's the money thing, you know, taken care of? And they understand money. They understand that, you know, you don't make money and then keep it somewhere under a mattress. Like you make the money work for you. And, and one of the most secure things you can do is to create multiple streams of income. And I kind of introduced this topic and then I said, you know, they all start talking about and they hear about the guys doing Airbnb real estate and all like, oh, I want to do that too. And the reality was I stopped them very quickly because before people go out on this wild goose chase and say, oh, I want to do Airbnb real estate and I want to do this, I want to do that. I want to do my, there's things that need to happen in their own business. And there's one commonality between all the people in that mastermind that I talked about, my CEO group, right? There's one commonality um, that they have and that's their, their main business, the one that pays them the most, that gives them the opportunity to invest in this stuff has got it stuck together. And they got their personal stuff together. So th there's, there's a couple of things that I think I think people sh should do. And I'm not giving here financial advice here. This is just very basic stuff, right? But Mike Waldron, who owns Carmel Valley, who I've mentioned on here, he always talks about the power of a cash cushion, right? And he's not saying you need 10 months of expenses in the bank, but hey, you should have two to three months cash in your business bank account, right? And there's some security around that. So before you go and taking every ounce you have and every last dollar you have and invest into Airbnb real estate, well, make sure the one thing that is, 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 is making you, the, giving you the ability to do this is taken care of, right? So there's some kind of a cash cushion in there, two to three months cash in your business banking account. Um, two, that you're operating profitably, right? If you're not operating profitably, that means the one thing that, you know, you, you have, um, that's, that, that's giving you the ability to do something like this is, um, is, is going in the right direction, right? And not like declining. And the third thing is um, you, you have the right people in the right seats. Meaning if you start to do things like 
you know, investing in real estate and, you know, taking on other business ventures, you know, like, for example, like me starting this business, this consulting business, I, I couldn't have done this consulting business without having the right people at my gym that are running the show. I have to go to the gym. All of a sudden that thing starts declining. So people need to make sure that they have um, the, the right people in the right seats at their main business before they start branching out um, to do stuff like that. But there, there's a lot of guys that are doing, um, um, you know, these, these types of things. A few of them, you know, um, are their, their second stream of income is a second gym. We have a couple guys that are opening up second gyms. We have other guys in the mastermind that are starting other businesses. Cal has a, um, it's like, um, it's a retirement home. He bought a retirement home um, for that. As I mentioned, guys are doing CEOs. Some of our guys do um, uh, MLM. We have a couple guys that do, um, not be- it's not Beachbody, but it's uh, one of the MLM ones. They, they do that. Uh, some of them invest in the market. Some of them have started local masterminds. Some of them maybe even sold their gyms. But the reality is you're going to be more secure and you're going to, there's, and for, for those of you uh, at home taking notes, I'll, I'll say these quickly. Here are the five things, skills needed for multiple streams of income. Um, one is self-management, your ability to manage yourself. Two is financial clarity, right? your ability to understand numbers and financials. Three is marketing. Four is leadership. And five is quick learning. Right. That means you can learn stuff. So Airbnb real estate is not something you can't just say, oh, I'll do Airbnb. Like, no, there's stuff you got to learn about that. There's specific things that you need to know um, when you're when you're doing that. So self-management, financial clarity, marketing, leadership and, and quick learning are five skills needed for uh, balancing multiple streams of income. Um, so those are I, I went over more, but those were kind of some highlights of the seven habits that I went through. And how much time do I have to go over the rest? Um, I know we're we're coming down to the. Uh, I have a couple, I have a few more things to share, but I want to make uh, sure I'm. Yeah, going over. We're at the. Yeah, you're worried about that. Um, we're at the forty. <laughs> the I'm four, not, but I am. We're at the forty minute mark. Uh, we got. We could do okay. uh, ten more minutes. Okay. Beautiful. Beautiful. Okay. Cool. Um, so the the next one is now the title is very controversial and you know I'm hesitant to say this on a podcast but um, the the title of my next presentation was uh, business PEDs for gym owners and PED stands for performance enhancing drug and basically what that does is what can we do to our business to enhance the level of authority um, in our in our community now there there's really one thing that people need to protect, manage, and make sure it is improving at all times. And this one thing could be the deciding factor of your entire business, and that is your reputation. And one of the things that the number one point that I talked about in this was that gym owners need to decide who they want to be. They need to decide and make a conscious decision of who they want to be. And the reality is there will be a story about your business. There will be a story. There will be a reputation that you get. There will be a story. Um, Either you're in control of it 
or someone else is in control of it. So you got to kind of make this conscious decision of deciding um, who you want to be. And the reality is we had a, um, we had a guy named uh, Mark Fisher. He's a, he's a fellow presenter at the, um, at the, uh, at Perform Better with us. Right. And Mark's a great dude. And Mark is, uh, he came to the mastermind as, as my guest and he was sitting in the, and sitting in the seats. Right. And I talked about two things that, that kind of shape your reputation. One is what you're known as, and two is what you're known for, right? And if you look at someone like Mark, Mark is known as this crazy, this wild man, he's this Broadway, you know, performer, and he's this innovative, you know, thing. And his gym is known for, you know, getting Broadway actors in killer shape, right? And if you look at Mark Fisher and you look at me, like, totally, totally different. Like if, if some of my clients went to Fisher's gym, they would like run out of there, like with some of the things that, that they do. And again, it's not bad. It's just different reputation, different strokes. And it's obviously a different area and everything like that. But I think what people need to decide, and, and there's a lot of confusion around this in, in this world, in our world, Ann, and that is the world of people doing athletes and adults. And I believe that people go through this identity crisis, right? They go through this identity crisis of, oh, well, I started out as an athlete gym, and now I want to try and train adults, but everyone knows, you know, me as the athlete gym. That conversation is going on in the minds of our listeners right now, and I think it's a really important thing to unpack and address. And that one doesn't mean, it doesn't mean that you can't do both. Right? It doesn't mean you can't train athletes and you can't train adults. But, man, I look at Mike Boyle, and Mike Boyle, he still trains adults. Right? But if you look at what he's known as, he's known as the, the, the athlete performance guy. That they, that they train athletes, and he, he's known as that. And Boyle, Mike Boyle's training condition is known as they get athletes in killer shape, and they have great programming and all that doesn't mean they don't train adults. doesn't mean they don't have an adult program, and I know they do well with adults. What kind of, at the end of the day, need to make this decision on what they're known as, right? And that's their personality types and everything like that. And then, and then you know, what they're known for. And once you kind of decide that, that's going to start shaping your reputation. But people kind of get, you know, they, they stay in the middle all the time. And what I think people need to do is just make that decision. So that, that was, that was number one, um, that, that we went over. Um, number two was something I talked about on the last podcast with you. So I'll I'll brush on this very briefly. Um, and that was, if you, if you, if you missed it, you should definitely go back and listen to that episode. But I talked about the angel, angel one-on-one list. And angels basically are people in your community that have the potential to get you in front of the, the client that you're looking for, right? These are influencers in your community that, hey, one email from them can bring you 10 clients. And the concept of the angel 101 list is how do you find a lot of those people? And that's what it is. So, so what I taught this at Mastermind, and I basically um, – we're telling them how to construct the um, the list that they have to their thing. And there's four things that people need 
you know, to be considered an angel. One is access to your ideal clients, right? Um, and keeping in mind that geography matters, right? So they got to be obviously close to you enough that they can send people to your gym. Um, two is there's a way for them to contact your ideal clients, right? And my favorite is an email list or some kind of a list. So if someone doesn't have a list, it's very hard um, to uh, for, for them to send messages to, to the people that you want. Um, number three is shared values. They share you know similar values to yours, meaning you're not going to recommend someone that's a jerk and it's not you know doesn't share you know similar things that you you like. And then um, four is reciprocity. You have a way that you can add value for that, right? And so those are the things that need to be considered. Um, for an angel, but I will say this is like, it's kind of like who you know is really, really important. And when you start aligning yourself with people that are influential in your community, um, you know, there's going to be a lot of people that are going to start talking to you about you and it's going to enhance uh, your level of authority in your community greatly. Okay, so that's the angel list. Uh, there's, we went unpacked that and we thought we did a pretty good job of that last time. Um, so I, I don't remember what the exact title was, but it was last month's um, episode where we went deep into writing the, um, or talking about the angels. Um, the last one, and I'll end on this one, was writing a book. And there was, and I, I know you wrote a book, and um, man, I don't think there's anything that increases your level of authority and status than than writing a book and i i say like one of the best decisions i've ever made was to write the book ultimate guide to marketing your gym i wrote that book five years ago and still today you know 10 to 20 people buy that book every week and it has been probably the one thing more than anything that has enabled people to know who i am you know, in the fitness industry, obviously things like this podcast help, speaking help, but in terms of credibility and authority, um, writing a book is, is, is tremendous. And a lot of times people are like, Oh, well, I got to write, you know, sit down and, you know, take three years and write this book. And, and at the end of the day, I don't really suggest gym owners that are listening to this do that because you're not going to become this published author, right? And, and make a ton of money selling this book. The, the key, the real thing of, of, of local businesses like ours, the power of the book is, is like, almost think of it like a business card that is on performance enhancing drugs. The, the book is something that enhances your level of authority. And it's like, Oh man, this gym owner wrote a book or this trainer wrote a book, well, they must know what they're doing. And here's the thing, if you have the ability to sit down and write a book, you do. And so I don't think that people should look at it as like sitting down and writing this New York Times bestseller. Is just go and sit down and, and write a book and make the title something that is um, value to your, um, to your clients. And I think there's five decisions, and I'll end on this one because I think this is really helpful for people. Um, there's five decisions you need to make when, when, when you write a book. And one is deciding who the book is for. So, Ant, when you wrote your book, right, um, what was it? Be like the best? 
Be like the best. Title. Mm-hmm. Yeah, be like the best. Well, that book was for other fitness professionals, right? That were wanting to learn and, you know, it wasn't for, I know you're doing stuff and for over 50 guys right now. And that book that you wrote is not for those people, right? It's a, you wrote that book for a clear audience, which I thought you did a great job. And I was honored to have a chapter um, in the book. So one decision, one is deciding who the book is for, Who's, who should read this book. And it's not for everybody. Right? No, it can't be. Um, decision two is what's the purpose of the book? Is the purpose of the book to generate leads? Is the purpose of the book to sell a lot of copies? Is the purpose of the book to just create this authority? Because what is this before you write the book, you need to decide why you're writing the book. What's the purpose of it? And that will decide how much time you really need to put into it. Big decision number three is what's the title? The title is the most important part of your book. Hands down, the title is where you should spend the most time thinking about your book and connect that to who the book is for. So a great title for a book for a local gym owner is, you know, how to lose fat for people over 40. Right. You know, it's like, because what is that? You know, if they're if they're training people over 40, a lot of those people want to lose fat or how to get healthy, whatever. It doesn't matter. What is their pain point and solve that pain point in the title? So make it very, very clear on what you're doing in the title of the book. Um, decision number four is you just outline the table of contents. So once you get the title, before you start writing, what's in the table of contents? What are the chapters going to be? So, Ant, I'm sure you sat down and you're like, all right, here's the title. And then I'm like, all right, well, who is uh, who am I going to interview for this? And the table of contents became, you know, who you were going to interview. And obviously, you know, about... 37 people said no, so that's why I was able to get into the book um, in terms of the table of contents. So I appreciate all those 37 people that said no and gave me a spot in Anthony's book. I was very excited about that. Um, and number and, and decision number five is, is what are the calls to action throughout the book? Because I push a lot of local business owners to have what, what they are, when they read the book, great. The, the content is great, but what do you really want? You really want them to do something. And in our case, as gym owners, what do we want them to do? We want them to come to the gym. And so there should be calls to action in throughout the book that tell people what to do next, right? Because how much can you help someone from a book? At the end of the day, in our world, what we're trying to do is use that book to get people into our gym so we can help change their lives. So that's, that's really what it is. So those are five decisions to get started writing a book. I have so many more things, and I can keep going for the next seven hours, but I can't do that because we're out of time. And um, maybe we can do a part two uh, at some point. Um, maybe next so month. That's all I got. You know, Vince, I just want to stay on this book thing just really quick for the next two minutes. Is is you know, it's funny because in my book, Mike Boyle does talk about. Uh, Although he was, you know, working with the Bruins and won a national championship in the 90s with with BU, it wasn't until he started really writing a bunch of articles and then speaking, which then led to the book. So one of the things that he recommended was go out there and start writing as much as you can. And that's actually Mike's Be Like in my book is Be Like Mike, which, by the way, that's how the title came up. So it wasn't the first thing or the, you know, the third thing that I thought of. I just did the book. And like you said, it was kind of ready, fire, aim. I 
told everybody I had a book coming out and I didn't have a book coming out and I just got those interviews done and but it came from what Mike was recommending and I was like oh why don't they should be like Mike and I'm like ooh that would be a title like there's 50 people in here be like the best who those were the people that I considered the best but Start by writing articles is a great way to do it because then if you want to know who for and you start taking those questions that people are like, hey, I like this article or I like that article, you start to get the content when you start and then people start asking you questions about those articles, you can start to see what people also, what the needs are out there. Um, but you're, you're hundred percent right is that's how you create the authority. That's how Mike did it. According to Mike was writing and speaking. Now he became this even bigger authority within the community because he was speaking so much. Awesome, man. No, I appreciate the, I appreciate the time today. And, uh, this was, uh, this was a great episode going back and forth with you. And, and I'm so, I was pumped that you read the gap in the game. Um, so we could talk about it, but this was, uh, this was a ton of fun. Thanks brother. Thank you, Vince. And, uh, as every, just to remind everybody, we do this, uh, every month right now where we're doing a special episode and you can catch Vince on the kiss marketing business secrets for gym owners on every episode. So Vince, thanks again. And uh, one last thing, I want to just uh, throw, if anyone needs anything, um, I, I do get emails frequently from, from gym owners, from people maybe listening that want to start a gym or are kind of moving to the next stage. Uh, and there's two things I want to give. One is just my email. If you have any questions, happy to, to chat with you. Uh, just shoot me an email and make sure you mention that you heard about me on the podcast. Um, just send me an email. It's my personal email. I get them. I don't have my assistant or anything like that. I read my emails. I read my own. It's just Vince at GabrielFitness.com. And that's G-A-B-R-I-E-L-E. Um, but if you like this stuff and you like some of the things that we're doing on the segment, um, just shoot me an email. Vince at GabrielFitness.com. And then the second thing that people can do is if they want a copy of my book, uh, The Ultimate Guide to Marketing Your Gym, head on over to Vince'sFreeBook.com. Vince's freebook.com and there's a, a free plus shipping offer. It's like seven dollars to um for the shipping, but the book is free. And um if you go to that link you can you can get the book and I'll and I'll ship it out to you um from there. So uh hopefully this was helpful and I will see you guys next month.